bad, immoral, and wrong. This is the Modern Eater Show. Piping hot and delicious. The Modern Eater. Food, 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 food. Now your hosts, Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker, and Brian Freeman. We are the Modern Eater Show live on iHeartRadio. It's 6.06 in the Mile High City, six minutes past the hour, and here we go. It's our Halloween special, y'all. Holy cow. This is spooky just how, how – look at this. This room is packed already. Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker. Where's Jay? Where's Where Jay? is Jay? Where is it's Jay? like, where's Waldo? Yeah, yeah that's where is uh, Waldo? Jay's in California meeting his uh, estranged family. Oh, they're not really strange. Good. He's a little strange. <laughs> He's but, a little strange. You know. The voice of Brian Freeman and Little Rich right here in the house tonight, live from Studio Kitchen, Colorado. This is what it's all about, you guys. Community, we talk about hyper-local. We talk about uh, really the culinary community that we bring together. And what a lineup on the show tonight. We're going to have a lot of fun. Again, Jay Parker, he's on the bench tonight, but Arabella is coming in. Yes. And she's going to be Jay for a she, little yeah, while. Yeah, she's tonight. usually in the studio. She's live and in person with us here tonight. We're trying to get up live on Facebook. Fa- uh, actually, for Facebook, Arabella, it's just the same login for SoundCloud. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but, there I, we go. but I think the last four digits is 1969 instead. The passcode. Just tell the world. Tell the world, babe. But I want to tell the world about all the local stuff we've got going on tonight because it is insane. I'm all jacked up on coffee tonight. Feels good. The home of the Modern Eater Studio Kitchen Colorado broadcasting live with uh, our closest friends and family and just industry people. It's a great time. In the 7 o'clock hour, you're going to want to look forward to this. You're going to lay in bed and you're going to peek out from underneath your sheets because we're going to tell ghost stories. These local ghost stories, Little Rich, I'll tell you what. Do you know any of the kind of the hauntings that are happening here in Denver? You know, I've heard little things, but I'm, I'm excited about this. You told me this is going to be awesome. Beyond with Baxter. We're going to go beyond with Baxter. Baxter's one of these guys. Uh, he's someone Debonair. I've known. Debonair I, is the word I would use to I describe I think I've him. known Baxter for, what, a decade now? We've been doing shows for maybe six, seven years. How long have we been doing shows for Baxter? feels like 20 so as we're setting up we're carving pumpkins at seven o'clock hour you're gonna get what 630 k how has done for many years and uh, ghost stories are gonna be coming up you're gonna love this in the meantime and in between time uh let's do a show about food and beverage from six to seven got it and coming in is choice market in uh 615 and mike fogarty and his chef mike gerhardt they're going to join us, and, and Little Rich, we did a little field trip down to Choice Market on... Uh, Just yesterday. Yeah, it's on 17th and Tremont, I believe. Right, well, it's actually on Broadway. Remember, it's just, we yep. kept going around, and it's right across the street, just east of the Brown Palace Hotel on gotcha. Broadway. Yep. 1770 North Broadway, gentlemen. Perfect. Yeah. Great. They're actually a customer of Growers Organic, and one of the things that Greg Hollenbach always says, he knows he can measure the quality if they know they're buying from growers. I actually do. That's a benchmark for me. So looking forward to catching up with the boys from Choice Market at 6.15. 6.30 on 6.30 KHOW. Corvus Coffee is going to make an appearance here. And Dominic uh, Eatry is joining the show. Looking forward to that at 6.45, the In the Kitchen segment. Flying Bee Bar Ranch and Brad Buchanan. These are ty- types of things that I love. I'll tell you what. 
when you look at our local community and the things that we have to offer, these are the products and services that you really need to embrace. Wait till you see the steaks they brought. Brought some good steaks. Oh, really? Yes. I, when, I had to run out. I didn't see When you talk about switch. where's the beef, it's right in there. It's right in there. <laughs> we do have a full house, and I'm going to use this stick mic. But let's hear it. we got to make sure everybody's uh, here and accounted for. Can we hear it? Who's in the studio Yes, tonight? who is in the studio tonight? There we go. There we go. I told you. Uh, our friend and yours, Mr. Kyle Moyers, in the house as well, and brought a friend with him. So uh, we might get Kyle on the air for a couple of minutes while we're doing ghost stories. Depends on how it all goes. But here's what I want to do, guys. Let's break early so we can spend some time with Choice Market because I think that's very yeah. worthwhile. And I really do think it's worth your time to stick uh, stick around to the 7 o'clock hour. These stories, Rich, we're going to have some fun. We're carving pumpkins. That we unloaded this afternoon. We did. Yep. Local Colorado, yep. folks, just so you know. Cooksey and, Farms, uh, wasn't it? Cooksey Farms? Yes, it is. Um, I, and I love supporting the local even though they're not organic. I'd love them to be organic, but... Uh, yep. You know, we got to do what we got to do this year. The organic crop was actually quite quite a bit of the organic crop was lost this yeah. year in Colorado, yeah. so it's a little bit of a bummer. Biker Jim's in the house right now. Biker Jim, how are you, sir? It's always it's always good to see Biker Jim. Our friends from My Make Studio, Linda and Jay Stadowski, right over there. They're uh, carving their pumpkins fast and furious. I'm glad you're not afraid of that pumpkin with herpes. Greg, <laughs> Greg got really nervous about the, We've got some heirloom variety pumpkins in here. It could be that spooky. Like, that have some, have some bumps on them. And, and that's the whole thing we were talking about is, is there's this whole thing of ugly produce mm-hmm. that we're afraid of. Yep. And, and Greg was a little afraid of the ugly pumpkins. I washed my hands when I was done loading. <laughs> but uh, is this childhood bad dreams? Did you watch Halloween too many times there? Um, My favorite uh, Halloween movie was the sort of um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Man, as a kid, I couldn't sleep after that movie. That was just, that was the movie that got me. Well, living in Cherry Creek, yeah. I mean, Elm Street. Elm, Elm Street, Street is in, in there, of Cherry course. Creek there, yeah. that, that's close. Uh, you can tell Jay's gone. I don't know if we're on Facebook Live right now. Or we are. <laughs> yes, on we Facebook are. Live. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right, head on over to the Modern Eater Facebook page. Like us if you will. Please follow us. This is a really uh, something that's important to us. Check it out on video. You're going to see all of these pumpkins being carved and the kids in the house. Uh, truly, this is a kid's holiday. Yep. Kids kids love this, this holiday. This is family, family. All right, let's take a quick turnaround. We'll be right back. This is the Modern Eater Show, live from Studio Kitchen on iHeartRadio. You know, Belgian-style beers are getting more and more popular, for good reason. And while a lot of breweries make the odd Belgian beer or two, Brews Beers in Denver does all Belgian-style beers. I'm Charlie Gottenkenny, brewmaster. And we do badass Belgian-style beers like nobody else. From the classics to creative Belgian-inspired styles, we have 15 on tap in our big tasting room and patio. Handcrafted wit beers, blondes, ambers, and saisons. High-octane doubles, triples, and quads. Plus sours, barrel-aged beers, and special rare bottle releases. We have food trucks every day, plus a bistro next door. And your dog is welcome. Check us out at brewsbeers.com. Bruce Beers, spelled B-R-U-Z, 1675 West 67th Avenue in North Denver. Your best choice for Belgian-style badassery. Can I pour you one? Rocker Spirits. It's a distillery. It's a place to hang. It's about quality. It's about taste. It's about passion. 
infused with American spirit. Rocker whiskey, rocker rum, rocker vodka. Get ready for an original look, feel, and experience. Old Town Littleton. And if you get hungry while you're sipping on some drinks, they've got the best food truck line in town. Open Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Rockerspirits.com. Rockerspirits.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is uh, Chef Brother Luck from For My Brother Luck in Colorado Springs. Oh, man, we're having a good time. We're having a good time. And also competing on season 15 of Top Chef. You are listening to the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Hi, everybody. It's Chef Terry from Bardo in Denver. <laughs> I'm also on season 15 of Top Chef Colorado. <laughs> and you're listening to The Modern Eater on iHeartRadio. First hour of The Modern Eater Show continues. Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker on hiatus for a week. He'll be back next week. Brian Freeman and Little Rich Schneider, Arabella helping out. And, of course, Davery. Can't do it without these guys. All right. This is a cool one. Choice Market. We went and saw him for the first time, and I said to myself, what, you're in the food and beverage business, and you haven't been to Choice Market yet. You need to do yourself a favor. Brian, what's the address again? 1770 North Broadway. 1770 North Broadway. I mean, conveniently located. Uh, Let's take this opportunity to welcome these gentlemen to the show. Mike Fogarty. Uh, We had that opportunity to meet you, Mike, yesterday. Good to see you again. Thanks for coming. Hey, Davery, get get, uh, Mike's uh, mic up. Davery, Dave. Can you turn Mike's mic up? Thank you, brother. It's live radio. No man is master. And we'll just get there. He is. There's the voice. There is. Yeah. Thanks for coming in, guys. Appreciate it. I, good it's to have you here. It's still a little light here. Let me see if I if we can't do anything. Get you a little closer. Oh yeah. A little bit better. Better. Yep. Better. We brought your chef here with us as well. Mike, you're hard. To, welcome, chef. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to see you. He's yeah, got thanks a for having great me. voice. He's got the radio voice. <laughs> he does. Yeah. The radio voice. Where do we begin? Just like Alice in Wonderland, you begin at the beginning, man. Sure. Choice Market. <laughs> Tell us what it is. Yeah, so Choice is, uh, you know, we call it a convenience store because it's convenient. But, you know, when I think when people walk in, it's a very, very different type of convenience store. Mm-hmm. It, it combines the operating hours, the transaction times, and the store size of a convenience store, but really marries that with a product selection of, of a natural grocery and a fast casual restaurant. It is for sure. Yeah, and really focuses on local purveyors. We have 60 plus local purveyors we work with, uh, and everybody from Rosenberg's to Bagels to City Bakery and Izio, which deliver daily, to Corvus. Maria Empanada. Maria Empanada, yep. who you had last yeah, week. Yeah, saw the uh, real deal, elevated ketchup, elevation ketchup. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I mean, you're doing a lot of good things in there, but moreover, when you walk in there, you talk about convenience. My friend, uh, the executive chef at the Hyatt downtown, um, Chef Pearson Shields, he said, it's uh, 7-Eleven on steroids and actually good. Natural steroids, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Drug-free. Yeah. It, it's really a cool place. And so here, here it is. You've got yourself an executive chef as well. Uh, Mike, talk about some of the food provisions that you have as well. Um, well, uh, we are... Um, you're doing sandwiches. You're doing... what? Sure. I mean, to go down the laundry yeah. list of uh, items that you're doing. Yeah, sandwiches, uh, flatbreads, salads... Um, our uh, grab-and-go is uh, pretty extensive, um, and, uh, you know, it's one of those uh, places that you can uh, order at 2 a.m. and get a fresh salad, a flatbread, um, things of that nature. How Ooh, you're open that late. Wait, that's... All night Did long. you hear? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're 24-7. Yeah. Oh, my 24 gosh. 24-7. Why don't you understand about yeah. 24-7? I, I, now I'm crystal clear about that 24-7, and I should know more. I'm just getting old. Man, you know, 10, 10.30, I'm, uh, you know, the old man's in bed. Wow, you can stay yeah. up till 10.30? But, but you're up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and yeah. This, Produce so, doesn't sleep in the morning. Produce so are doesn't they. sleep. So uh, back to Mike Fogarty, uh, you know, as we were down there checking out the location, you're saying here's some of the stuff we're doing all night long. Yeah. What are some of the things you're, you're getting? Uh, you're you're you got uh, beef getting uh, braised. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean the kitchen's open all night, so it's not going to limit the menu. Uh, but in addition to that, we're we're obviously preparing food all night. So we we work with Tenderbelly and roast the pork for eight hours overnight. Uh, we're brining chicken breast. I mean it's a full working kitchen. 24/7, 365, and really highlights some of uh, Denver's and Colorado's best purveyors. Really, I mean, good for you guys. Um, it's not an easy endeavor either, especially with those. <laughs> I mean, those hours you've got to staff people. Yeah. Um, you've got to market your place. Uh, you've really got to be on it with, uh, you know, you have a little bit of overhead there. I yeah. mean, obviously products in there, sure. but you're selecting some really great stuff. What's the model? Where did you get this model? You know, um, I, I grew up outside Philadelphia, and there's a concept called Wawa, this uh, modern convenience store concept, and, and certainly that was an influence. Um, but I also lived in Barcelona for about six months, and these uh, corner markets, um, you know, small format groceries were on every corner, um, you know, and, and we would go there every day, basically, and pick up three, four things. And so, really, it's a hybrid of the two, I would, I would say, um, and just a culmination of life experiences. Um, I spent some time working at White Wave Foods for four or five years and uh, certainly gained some knowledge and experience on, on that front, but, you know, ultimately uh, decided that, um, you know, felt, felt that, that really there was an opportunity in the convenience store space to really innovate because there's not many folks innovating in that space, uh, and it's food service is a big, big part of, uh, I don't think people realize how many people get their food from convenience stores. Um, so for us, it's it's really important to really, you know, make good food accessible and convenient. Um, and so that was uh, kind of the genesis of it all. And, um, you know, here we are. Well, and Mike, you're serving, this is Brian Freeman from Growers, and you're serving all the different types of people with, so I see you've got vegetarian, yep. you've got meat, yeah. you, you've got gluten-free, things like that that it's are important to a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I love that. Yeah, so is that where the name came well. from? Yeah. I mean, it's a double meaning, really. I mean, so choice... In food, you think about choice, it's premium, right? It's it's uh, known, and, but also choices and multiple options. So when you come in a choice, you can get a plant, you can get a, like tonight is a perfect example. You can get a mushroom steak melt, or you can get our truffle mushroom cheesesteak, which is a vegan option. Um, you know, we really cater to pretty much any dietary lifestyle restriction. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, we have a huge plant-based vegan, um, you know, customer base because they don't really have many options. Mm -hmm. Even in a town like Denver where you would think it'd be way more progressive sure. in terms of like fast casual or fast uh, food in general for, for that particular population, it's not, it's few and far between, honestly. Wow. Well, uh, you know, one of the things that struck me, and we had a brief conversation about this yesterday at Choice Market, uh, the voice of uh, Mike Fogarty right there. Uh, you know, some people do the bulk of their shopping uh, once a week, but there are certain items that you want to get daily. Yep. And, and you're just inspired that this is what I'm feeling today. Yep. And you can have some of the staples in which you actually provide a, a lot of staples there at uh, Choice Market. But to go in there and pick up five, six, seven things that you need for the yep. day, 
the convenience is there, the atmosphere is there, even up to being able to pour yourself a delicious craft beer. Yeah. Uh, and, and literally pour <laughs> it yourself. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so. You know, I'd like to add two things that I noticed sure. yesterday. First off, uh, as a convenience store, you're grab and go, you have a fantastic area to sit and really look at Denver yeah. and soak it in. I mean, at the Brown Palace, you're right across the street exactly, from the Brown Palace. Yeah. So th- that should not be overlooked, the fact that you can go there, sit, and really enjoy your meal. The second thing was how competitive you are on pricing. Yep. Usually, at that level of convenience, yeah. your prices are going to be very, very Yeah, the high. specialty type and, of bodegas. And we were looking going, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, you've nailed it. Well, and they've oh, got gourmet foods, there. too. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing. You look on there. I mean, who's doing a cauliflower and potato mash and kimchi, kimchi fried rice? Yeah. Chef Gerhardt. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, exactly. <laughs> right here. Chef, yeah. Right here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Chef Gerhardt, uh, as we talk about the menu and some of your items and your developing menus, I, I have to imagine you had a lot to do with menu development as well yeah did you do yeah absolutely what are the, some of the things that you know as far as your signature sandwiches can you give a little peek on the inside of, of how you've developed the, the sandwich program sure um, yeah I mean uh, I think we just thought about you know what people are gonna like and then do a little twist on it so it's not just like everyone else's um, sandwiches you know give me an example uh, same thing with the with the salads um, the bowls as well, uh, you know, you said the uh, kimchi fried rice. Um, that's something that yeah, we developed and people, you know, are just absolutely, uh, they love that. Um, as far as like the sandwiches go, um, tonight we're going to do the steak melt. Mm. And um, I feel like uh, a traditional one might not have that, you know, fresh arugula um, that we got from Altius Farms, like right down the street, um, a mile down the road, uh, things like that. Um, just a little twist on um, yeah. what people, you know, are doing. Yeah. Which, what's your area. favorite, uh, 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 Fogarty? Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, there's a, we have a lot of different menu items. I, I do think what we have. <laughs> I here, want a beef Reuben right now. <laughs> well, it's actually a beet. Uh, that's a beet. We do have both. Yeah, both. yeah exactly. Yeah. I think that's like you know. The smoothie. Yeah, exactly. The smoothie was yeah. insane. Yeah, it's great, right? <laughs> You've oh got wraps gosh. as well. Well, and like the jackfruit torta. Yeah. Who, who in town is using jackfruit? Not I many. mean, most Americans have never eaten a jackfruit. Yeah. They don't know what it is. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. It's, a, it's a member of the artichoke family. It's about the size of this table. I mean, I it's, mean, it's insane. Yeah, I, I mean, I've know, sold them. Yep, they are. Yeah. Well, I'm one of those Americans. Exactly. So would you, would well, you mind explaining? Yeah, but well, it I has mean, a meaty texture, like pork, almost. Yep. You know, it and, does. Well, and, and if you marinate it, yeah. it's like what. And that's the thing that gets me is there's a lot of good vegans and vegetarians don't realize some of the incredible things like a jackfruit. Yep. And that you, I, I mean, and not that. Not that you compare everything to meat, but, you know, oh, I mean, a pulled pork sandwich is awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and if I was a vegetarian, yeah. I, I would have memories of the days that I used to eat pulled pork. And you could make something like that with the jackfruit. And I think for a lot of, Absolutely. you know, people that are transitioning from, uh, you know, a, a, uh, to a plant-based 
you know, lifestyle in general, they still want those experiences of like having a torta or eating chicken wings or having a burger. And, you know, nowadays the plant-based and vegan food has gotten extremely better, uh, exponentially better, I would say. And, and to the point where our number one selling item right now is, the, the, Beyond burger. is the Beyond Burger. Oh, uh, nice. And it's a, it's a vegan Big Mac, basically. Yep. <laughs> and we, we sell more of those than anything right now. Um, and it just, it's a testament to that, to that, you know, population and, and that growth in that particular segment of, of, of uh, you know, of eating in general. So. I got to tell you, I love that you're open after bar time. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that they might amazing. not like it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I know it does bring in a, a, I mean, a crowd that can create a little rambunctious at times well, every you, once in a while. You, you, yeah. see the, you see this, uh, like, one of the things that struck me, uh, Mike Fogarty, was when you walk in, you have a big board that says, um, what does it say? What, what's the what's, best what's choice? The best choice you ever made. The, yeah. the comments. Yeah, and then we have a markers where everybody can write their, uh, you know, their own. <laughs> you, Little Rich took a picture of that. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. Oh, you are? Yeah. Uh, what's the best choice you've made? What's the best choice you've made? I think a good one would go to Choice Market. Just do a little quick reset. Uh, Mike Fogarty from Choice Market and um, Chef Mike Gearhart here with us as well. Look at that, Brian. Look at how I cool love that. that is. I love that. We the, may end up doing others. one that says, what's the worst choice you ever made? And we're going to see how the, the responses change. They'll probably be similar. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They'll probably be similar. I mean, that's the way choices More are. More all caps. Yeah. All right. I always give this an opportunity to the business owners because I think that, you, I mean, you should know your business better than anybody. Sure. Give the 30-second, one-minute elevator speech of why people should come join you at uh, Choice Market. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for us, it's uh, we're, I, it comes back to a very simple mission for us, which is to make good food accessible and convenient. And those three things are not always, um, you know, easy to do. Let's just say that, you know. Um, so for us, you know, we're, we're going to represent the, the locales that we're in, and in this case, Denver. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're serving green, good, clean, healthy food from local purveyors that you probably already know and love. And, uh, you know, we're, we're providing you a, a quick and easy shopping experience, whether it be through uh, online delivery or through coming in and being in and out in two minutes, or you, you can order ahead and... Uh, We'll have a bag ready for you, ready to go. What's so. your delivery area? Uh, it depends on that. We work with a few different purveyors, uh, you know, Uber Eats and Postmates. So they oh, great. They, they deliver 24/7, um, you know, for us. Uh, in terms of their actual area, it's about 10 miles. So oh, most well. of Denver can get, you know, Choice Market any day, any night, any time of the night. And as the liquor laws change, yeah, you will be able to. Um, pretty much stock whatever you want booze wise yes uh so the, the actually it won't be able to stock full strength beer um so the, the laws are changing mm -hmm. so the 3.2 percent alcohol mm -hmm. uh law is going away mm -hmm. and basically all of those that have that that designation are, are going to be able to serve full strength beer to go uh, which we intend to do and so we'll be able to deliver a six pack of uh you know uh, really good beer and some prepared food and some groceries all-in-one transaction <clears throat> come January 1st. Perfect. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. Some guys that you do business with as well as I look over at the board here and on deck is uh, going to be Corvus Coffee and yep. Dominic Eatry. Yep. Um, did I say that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Dominic, Dominic yeah. Eatry. Yeah. Um, they're coming up. And, and then also um, we're going to take a look at Brad Bu Bu Buchanan and uh, Flying B Bar 
yeah. ranch <laughs> is so, going to come in. Those are guys that you utilize, and they're partners with you as well. Yeah, exactly. So we wanted to make sure we, we brought on some purveyors that we work with that really show this kind of regional micro supply chain that we've set up. Uh, and certainly Dom with Corvus is really they're, – they're an amazing, uh, you know, partner of ours that, you know, they sell, they sell us our wholesale uh, coffee. They sell us um, – you know, cold brew, they sell us retail coffee. I mean, they're a perfect example of a partner that we, we love to work with, and their coffee's amazing. Uh, and then Flying Bee Bar Ranch, um, you know, they're 30, 40 miles down the road. Uh, we carry a couple cuts of theirs and ground beef as well uh, in our retail section. And, and we've actually made a chili tonight that has all those components. So we have a ghost chili chili with Corvus Dead Reckoning Coffee and Flying Bee Bar um, ground beef. And That's what we're beef. about to get down yeah, on right yeah, now. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's 630 on 630 KHOW on iHeart Radio Station. We're going to take a break and we got, I mean, yesterday, uh, Little Rich and myself, we met Mike Fogarty at Choice Market and uh, he became a friend instantly. Yeah, thanks man. I, I mean, really appreciate coming in. completely, <laughs> totally became a friend and Chef, uh, yeah, looking forward to yeah, seeing you. Uh, the thanks for having us. Nice yeah, Chef definitely. Nice Mike Gearbox right there. Yeah, come I see us. Uh, yeah, go Good down and see us. Truly, and report back to us. I think that you're going to have great things to say, just like we do. It's a truly a class act and a lot of great things going. Look for other concepts that you're doing come, as come well, to, right? Yeah, very much. Uh, we have a few concepts in the works, and uh, I think we'll be in a neighborhood near you hopefully soon. Yeah. Keep an eye out. <laughs> on I like that, folks. You heard it here on the Modern Eater. There, That's right. There might be things in the future for choice all around Denver. Correct. 7 p.m. Stick around. Ghost stories will be unleashed as the sun sets on the Mile High City, and it's got a beautiful Bronco sky out there. It's orange and blue, and um, just a beautiful evening on this uh, fall night as we ramp up to Halloween and ghost stories will be told with Yom Baxter and Baxter, one of these guys. Wait until you hear these local haunted stories. And I've been at a lot of haunted houses with this gentleman, some mansions downtown, uh, the Yak and Yeti up in Arvada, um, Cheeseman Park. What do you know about Cheeseman Park? Well, it used to be a graveyard. Did you know that? I did. Brian? I did actually. Right. I know. Could you uh, imagine sunbathing in Cheeseman Park <laughs> and they've actually had uh, well, first of all, that all in itself, <laughs> some days, but but a bone comes up from underneath the ground from a grave, and you're just wow. sitting there next to a human yeah. bone because the undertaker at the time, and I don't want to give the story away, but the undertaker at the time had to build on top of the graves with other graves, and there are some really creepy stories that go on there at Cheeseman Park. All right, if that's not enough for you, I don't know what is. So coming up next is Corvus Coffee on, on deck right here from Studio Kitchen, Colorado. It is the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Choose your path through Cyberland. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram and Facebook for all the fun photos and videos. Just search The Modern Eater or check out the website, themoderneater.com. Hi, everybody. It's Chef Terry from Bardo in Denver. <laughs> I'm also on season 15 at Top Chef Colorado. <laughs> and you're listening to The Modern Eater on iHeartRadio. First hour of the Modern Eater Show continues. Greg Holland back, Jay Parker on hiatus for a week. He'll be back next week. Brian Freeman and Little Rich Schneider, Arabella helping out. And, of course, Davery. Can't do it without these guys. All right, this is a cool one. Choice Market. We went and saw him for the first time, and I said to myself, what, you, you're in the food and beverage business, and you haven't been to Choice Market yet. You need to do yourself a favor. Brian, what's the address again? 
1770 North Broadway. 1770 North Broadway. I mean, conveniently located. Uh, let's take this opportunity to welcome these gentlemen to the show. Mike Fogarty. Uh, we had the opportunity to meet you, Mike, yesterday. Good to see you again. Thanks for coming. Hey, Davery, get get uh, Mike's uh, mic up. Davery, Dave, can you turn Mike's mic up? Thank you, brother. It's live radio. No man is master. And we'll just get there. He is. There's the voice. There is. Yeah, thanks for coming in, guys. Appreciate it. I, uh, good it's to have you here. It's still a little light here. Let yeah. me see if I, if we can't do anything. Get you a little closer. Oh, yeah. A little bit so better. Yep. We brought your chef here with us as well. Mike, you're hard. Welcome, chef. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to see you. He's yeah, got thanks a for having great me. voice. He's got the radio voice. <laughs> he does. <laughs> the radio voice. Where do we begin? Just like Alice in Wonderland, you begin at the beginning, man. Sure. Choice Market. <laughs> Tell us what it is. Yeah, so Choice is, uh, you know, we call it a convenience store because it's convenient. But, you know, when I think when people walk in, it's a very, very different type of convenience store. Mm -hmm. it, it combines the operating hours, the transaction times, and the store size of a convenience store, but really uh, marries that with a product selection of, of a natural grocery and a fast casual restaurant. It is for sure. Yeah, and really focuses on local purveyors. We have 60 plus local purveyors we work with. Uh, and everybody from Rosenberg's Bagels to City Bakery and Izio, which deliver daily, to Corvus. Maria Empanada. Maria Empanada, yep. who you had last yeah, week. Yeah, saw uh, the real deal, elevated ketchup, elevation ketchup. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're doing a lot of good things in there, but moreover, when you walk in there, you talk about convenience. My friend, uh, the executive chef at the Hyatt downtown, um, Chef Pearson Shields, he said, it's 7-Eleven uh, on steroids and actually good. Natural steroids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drug-free. Yeah. It, it's really a cool place. And so here, here it is. You've got yourself an executive chef as well. Uh, Mike, talk about some of the food provisions that you have as well. Um, well, uh, we are... Um, you're doing sandwiches. You're doing... what? Sure. I mean, to go down the laundry yeah. list of uh, items that you're doing. Yeah, sandwiches, uh, flatbreads, salads, um, our uh, grab-and-go is uh, pretty extensive, um, and, uh, you know, it's one of those uh, places that you can uh, order at 2 a.m. and get a fresh salad, a flatbread, um, things of that nature. Oh, you're open that late. Wait, that's all night did long. Did you hear? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, we're 24-7. Uh, yeah. Oh, my 24 gosh. 24-7. Well, you understand about yeah. 24-7. I, I, now I'm crystal clear about that 24-7, and I should know more. I'm just getting old. Man, you know, 10, 1030, I'm, uh, you know, the old man's in bed. Wow, you can stay yeah. up till 10.30? But, but you're up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and yeah. This, Produce so, doesn't sleep in the morning. Yeah. Produce so doesn't are they. sleep. So uh, back to Mike Fogarty, uh, you know, as we were down there checking out the location, you're saying, here's some of the stuff we're doing all night long. Yeah. What are some of the things you're, you're getting? Uh, you're, you're, you got uh, beef getting uh, braised. Yeah, you, yeah. So, I mean, the kitchen's open all night, so it's not going to limit the menu. Uh, but in addition to that, we're, we're obviously preparing food all night. So we, we work with Tenderbelly and Roast the Pork for eight hours overnight. Uh, we're brining chicken breasts. I mean, it's a full working kitchen. 24-7, 365, and really highlights some of uh, Denver's and Colorado's best purveyors, really. I mean, good for you guys. Um, it's not an easy endeavor either, especially with those, <laughs> I mean, those hours. You've got to staff people. Yeah. Um, you've got to market your place. Uh, you've really got to be on it with, uh, you know, you have a little bit of overhead there. I yeah. mean, obviously products in there. Sure. But you're selecting some really great stuff. What's the model? Where did you get this model? 
You know, um, I, I grew up outside Philadelphia, and there's a concept called Wawa. It's a modern convenience store concept, and, and certainly that was an influence. Um, but I also lived in Barcelona for about six months, and these uh, corner markets, um, you know, small format groceries were on every corner. Um, you know, and, and we would go there every day, basically, and pick up three, four things. And so, really, it's a hybrid of the two, I would, I would say, um, and just a culmination of life experiences. Um, I spent some time working at White Wave Foods for four or five years and uh, certainly gained some knowledge and experience on, on that front. But, you know, ultimately uh, decided that, um, you know, felt, felt that, that really there was an opportunity in the convenience store space to really innovate because there's not many folks innovating in that space. Uh, and it's food service is a big, big part of, uh, I don't think people realize how many people get their food from convenience stores. Um, so for us, it's, it's really important to really, you know, make good food accessible and convenient. Um, and so that was uh, kind of the genesis of it all. And, um, you know, here we are. Well, Mike, you're serving, this is Brian Freeman from Growers, and you're serving all the different types of people with, so I see you've got vegetarian Yep. You've got meat. Yeah. You, you've got gluten-free, things like that that it's, are important to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I love that. Yeah, so is that where the name came well. from? Yeah. I mean, it's a double meaning, really. I mean, so choice in food, you think about choice, it's premium, right? It's it's uh, known, but also choices and multiple options. So when you come in a choice, you can get a plant, you can get a, like tonight is a perfect example. You can get a mushroom steak melt or you can get our truffle mushroom cheesesteak, which is a vegan option. Um you know, we really cater to pretty much any dietary lifestyle restriction. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. and, um, you know, we have a huge plant-based vegan, um, you know, customer base because they don't really have many options. Mm -hmm. Even in a town like Denver where you would think it would be way more progressive sure. in terms of, like, fast casual or fast uh, food in general for, for that particular population, it's not – it's few and far between, honestly. Wow. Well, you know, one of the things that struck me, and we had a brief conversation about this yesterday – at Choice Market, uh, the voice of uh, Mike Fogarty right there. Uh, you know, some people do the bulk of their shopping uh, once a week, but there are certain items that you want to get daily. Yep. And, and you're just inspired that this is what I'm feeling today. Yep. And you can have some of the staples in which you actually provide a, a lot of staples there at uh, Choice Market. But to go in there and pick up five, six, seven things that you need for the yep. day. Uh, the convenience is there, the atmosphere is there, even up to being able to pour yourself a delicious craft beer. Yeah. Uh, and, and literally pour <laughs> it yourself. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so. You know, I'd like to add two things that I noticed sure. yesterday. First off, uh, as a convenience store, you're grabbing go, you have a fantastic area to sit and really look at Denver yeah. and soak it in. I mean, at the Brown Palace, you're right across the street exactly, from the Brown Palace. Yeah. So that should not be overlooked, the fact that you can go there, sit, and really enjoy your meal. The second thing was how competitive you are on pricing. Yep. Usually, at that level of convenience, yeah. your prices are going to be very, very Yeah, the high. specialty type and, of bodegas. And we were looking going, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, you've nailed it. Well, and they've oh, got gourmet foods, there. too. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing. You look on there. I mean, who's doing a cauliflower and potato mash and kimchi, kimchi fried rice? Yeah. Chef Gerhardt. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, exactly. <laughs> right here. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> exactly. Chef Gerhardt, uh, as we talk about the menu and some of your items and your developing menus, I, I have to imagine you had a lot to do with menu development as well yeah did you do yeah absolutely so what are the, some of the things that you know as far as your signature sandwiches can you give a little peek on the inside of, of how you developed the, the sandwich program sure um, yeah I mean uh, I think we just thought about you know what people are gonna like and then do a little 
twist on it so it's not just like everyone else's um, sandwiches. You know, give me an example. Uh, same thing with the with the salads, um, the bowls as well. Uh, you know, you said the uh, kimchi fried rice. Um, that's something that yeah, we fun. developed and people, you know, are just absolutely. Uh, they love that. Um, as far as like the sandwiches go, um, tonight we're gonna do the steak melt, mm. and um, I feel like uh, a traditional one might not have that, you know, fresh arugula um, that we got from Altius Farms, like right down the street, um, a mile down the road, uh, things like that. Um, just a little twist on. Um, what people, you know, are doing. Yeah, what, what's your area. favorite uh, 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 Fogarty? Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, there's a, we have a lot of different menu items. I, I do think what we have. I here want a beef Reuben right now. <laughs> well, it's actually a beet. Uh, that's a beet. We do have both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's like you know. Smoothie. Yeah, exactly. The smoothie was yeah. insane. Yeah, it's great, right? <laughs> You've oh got wraps as well. Well, and like the jackfruit torta. Yeah. Who, who in town is using jackfruit? Not I many. mean, most Americans have never eaten a jackfruit. They don't know what it is. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's, a, it's a member of the artichoke family. It's about the size of this table. I mean, I it's, mean, it's it, insane. Yeah, I mean, I've know, sold them. Yep, they are. Yeah. Well, I'm one of those Americans. Exactly. So would you, would well, you mind explaining? Yeah, but well, it I has mean, a meaty texture like pork almost. Yep. You know, it and, does. Well, and, and if you marinate it, yeah. it's like what. And that's the thing that gets me is, is a lot of good vegans and vegetarians don't realize some of the incredible things like a jackfruit. Yep. And that you, I, I mean, and not that. Not that you compare everything to meat, but, you know, oh, I mean, a pulled pork sandwich is awesome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and if I was a vegetarian, yeah. I, I would have memories of the days that I used to eat pulled pork. And you could make something like that with the jackfruit. And I think for a lot of, Absolutely. you know, people that are transitioning from, uh, you know, a, 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 to a plant-based you know, lifestyle in general, they still want those experiences of like having a torta or eating chicken wings or having a burger. And, you know, nowadays the plant-based and vegan food has gotten extremely better, uh, exponentially better, I would say. And, and to the point where our number one selling item right now is the, the Beyond Burger. The Beyond Burger. Oh, uh, nice. And it's a, it's a vegan Big Mac, basically. <laughs> yep. And we we sell more of those than anything right now. Um, and it just it's a testament to that to that you know population and and that growth in that particular segment of of, of uh, you know of eating in general. So. I gotta tell you, I love that you're open after bar time. Oh yeah. I mean yeah. that they that's might not amazing. like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean I, I know it does bring in a. A, I mean, a crowd that can be a little rambunctious at times. Well, you, once in a while. you, you <laughs> see the, you see this. Uh, like one of the things that struck me, uh, Mike Fogarty, was when you walk in, you have a big board that says, um, "What does it say? What, what's well, the what's best the, choice? What's the best choice you ever made?" The, yeah. the comments. Yeah, and then we have a markers where everybody can write their, uh, you know, their own. You, little Rich took a picture of that. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. Oh, you are? Yeah. Uh, what's the best choice you've made? What's the best choice you've made? I think a good one would go to Choice Market. Just do a little quick reset. Uh, Mike Fogarty from Choice Market and um, Chef Mike Gearhart here with us as well. Look at that, Brian. Look at how I cool love that. that is. I love that. We the, may end up yeah, doing one that says, what's the worst choice you ever made? <laughs> and we're going to see how the, the responses change. <laughs> They'll probably be similar. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They'll probably be similar. I mean, that's the way choices More are. More all caps. 
Yeah. All right. I always give this an opportunity to the business owners because I think that, you, I mean, you should know your business better than anybody. Sure. Give the 30-second, one-minute elevator speech of why people should come join you at uh, Choice Market. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for us, it's uh, we're, I, it comes back to a very simple mission for us, which is to make good food accessible and convenient. And those three things are not always, um, you know, easy to do. Let's just say that, you know. Um, so for us, you know, we're, we're going to represent the, the locales that we're in, and in this case, Denver. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're serving green, good, clean, healthy food from local purveyors that you probably already know and love. And, uh, you know, we're, we're providing you a, a quick and easy shopping experience, whether it be through uh, online delivery or through coming in and being in and out in two minutes, or you, you can order ahead and uh, we'll have a bag ready for you, ready to go. What's so. your delivery area? Uh, it depends on that. We work with a few different purveyors, uh, you know, Uber Eats and Postmates. So they oh, great. They, they deliver 24/7, um, you know, for us. Uh, in terms of their actual area, it's about 10 miles. So oh, most well. of Denver can get, you know, Choice Market any day, any night, any time of the night. And as the liquor laws change, yeah, you will be able to. Um, pretty much stock whatever you want booze wise yes uh so the, the actually it won't be able to stock full strength beer um so the, the laws are changing mm-hmm. so the 3.2 percent alcohol mm-hmm. uh law is going away mm-hmm. and basically all of those that have that that designation are, are going to be able to serve full strength beer to go uh which we intend to do and so we'll be able to deliver a six pack of uh you know uh, really good beer and some prepared food and some groceries all in one transaction <clears throat> come January 1st. Perfect. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. Some guys that you do business with as well as I look over at the board here and on deck is uh, going to be Corvus Coffee and yep. Dominic Eatry. Yep. Um, did I say that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Dominic, Dominic yeah. Eatry. Yeah. Um, they're coming up. And, and then also um, we're going to take a look at Brad Bu- Buchanan and uh, Flying B Bar. Yeah. Ranch <laughs> is so, going to come in. Those are guys that you utilize and they're partners with you as well. Yeah, exactly. So we wanted to make sure we, we brought on some purveyors that we work with that really show this kind of regional micro supply chain that we've set up. Uh, and certainly Dom with Corvus is really they're, they're an amazing, uh, you know, partner of ours that, you know, they sell they sell us our wholesale uh, coffee. They sell us um you know, cold brew, they sell us retail coffee. I mean, they're a perfect example of a partner that we, we love to work with, and their coffee's amazing. Uh, and then Flying Bee Bar Ranch, um, you know, they're 30, 40 miles down the road. Uh, we carry a couple cuts of theirs and ground beef as well uh, in our retail section. And, and we've actually made a chili tonight that has all of those components. So we have a ghost chili chili with Corvus Dead Reckoning Coffee and Flying Bee Bar um, ground beef. And That's what we're about to get down yeah, on right no, now. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's 630 on 630 KHOW on iHeartRadio station. We're going to take a break and we got, I mean, yesterday, uh, Little Rich and myself, we met Mike Fogarty at Choice Market and uh, he became a friend instantly. Yeah, thanks man. I, I mean, really appreciate coming in. Completely, <laughs> totally became a friend and Chef, yeah. uh, looking yeah, forward pleasure. to it's a yeah, pleasure. seeing you. Uh, the thanks for having us. Nice yeah, Chef definitely. Nice Mike Gearhart right there. Yeah, come I see know. us. Uh, yeah, Keep go down and see you. Truly, and report back to us. I think that you're going to have great things to say, just like we do. It's a truly a class act and a lot of great things going. Look for other concepts that you're doing as well, right? Yeah, very much. Uh, We have a few concepts in the works, and uh, I think we'll be in a 
neighborhood near you hopefully soon. Yeah. Keep an eye out. <laughs> I, I like that, folks. You heard it here on the Modern Eater there. That's right. There might be things in the future for choice all around Denver. Correct. 7 p.m. Stick around. Ghost stories will be unleashed as the sun sets on the Mile High City, and it's got a beautiful Bronco sky out there. It's orange and blue, and um, just a beautiful evening on this uh, fall night as we ramp up to Halloween and ghost stories will be told with Jan Baxter and Baxter, one of these guys. Wait until you hear these local haunted stories. And I've been in a lot of haunted houses with this gentleman, some mansions downtown, uh, the Yak and Yeti up in Arvada, um, Cheeseman Park. What do you know about Cheeseman Park? Well, it used to be a graveyard. Did you know that? I did. Brian? I did actually. Right. I know. Could some, you uh... imagine sunbathing in Cheeseman Park <laughs> and they've actually had uh, well, first of all, that all in itself, <laughs> some but but a bone comes up from underneath the ground from a grave, and you're just wow. sitting there next to a human yeah. bone because the undertaker at the time, and I don't want to give the story away, but the undertaker at the time had to build on top of the graves with other graves, and there are some really creepy stories that go on there at Cheeseman Park. All right, if that's not enough for you, I don't know what is. So coming up next is Corvus Coffee on, on deck right here from Studio Kitchen, Colorado. It is the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Choose your path through Cyberland. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram and Facebook for all the fun photos and videos. Just search The Modern Eater or check out the website, themoderneater.com. If you've got a business and need a website or need a graphic designer, F. Johnson Design does it all. Take the headache out of trying to build your own website or design graphics. Who has time for that? F. Johnson Design will get you up and running with a professional and great-looking website. Design sharp graphics to your specifications and have your site up faster than you think. Logo, package design, SEO coding, and more. F. Johnson Design did the Modern Eater's website. Go to themoderneater.com to check out some of their work. Reach out to F. Johnson design at fjohnsondesign.com Tia's wood oven roasted veggies, pickled onions, shaved radish, tomatillo, fresh cilantro, and a house-made vegan sour cream. Wow. How about the best burger on planet Earth? One half pound of Aspen Ridge beef, lettuce, tomato, pickles, and never any hormones, antibiotics, or steroids. I recommend getting the crispy rosemary fries. As a friendly neighborhood restaurant featuring dinner, brunch, and full bar with two daily happy hours, they truly care about you, the customer, and desire to provide an extraordinary dining experience for everyone. They are family and children friendly and even have a playroom for the little ones. The Goods, a friendly neighborhood restaurant who offer a wide menu of gluten-free, vegetarian, and vegan options. And they don't forget about the meat lovers with a staff that really cares. On East Colfax, directly connected to the Tattered Cover Bookstore. Hungry? TheGoodsRestaurant.com ...than traditional farming, while producing four and a half times more food per square foot. Using traditional farming techniques, farmers would flood their fields with large quantities of water, leaving much of this water underutilized and just plain wasted. But because aquaponics is a recirculating system, the only water used is what the plants uptake and some very minor evaporation. South River Aquaponics has been running a 55,000-gallon system year-round for four years, and we use less than 500 gallons of water per day. Education is very important to us here at South River Aquaponics. I invite you to learn more about aquaponics at southriveraquaponics.com. South River Aquaponics, the future of farming. Okay, back to the show in just a minute in Corvus Coffee and Dominic Eatry is coming right up. Right now, i got to tell you about Jeff Rourke and A-Plus Beverage Solutions as we talk about coffee. Uh, Jeff Rourke can do that for you. He installs tap lines all over at the best spots. 
And um, his faucets, I'll tell you what, he makes drafts, draft systems of your dreams. He can auto add a coffee line for you. He can add a water line. He can do a nitro line for you. Um, coffee coming in off of, uh, uh, off of uh, faucets is, is really something that's blowing up right now. And Jeff Rourke from A-plus Beverage Solutions, he's all about efficiency. He wants to give you an A-plus on your report card. Give him a call because Jeff Rourke will make sure that you're up and running, or if you have a new install, he'll, he'll put that draft system together. Uh, foam is money, and if you're pouring inefficient beer, what are you doing, boys? You're pouring, pouring your, your money, money down, down the drain. drain. Please don't pour your money down the drain. Get a hold of Jeff Rourke in A-plus Beverage Solutions. He can do it for you. 720-272-3809. 720-272-3809. It's Jeff Rourke in A-plus Beverage Solutions. Ciao, Tutti. It's Elise Wiggins. You want me to go ahead and do it? From Tattoo Bella, the chef of the year from Eater Denver. One more time, one more time. And you are listening to the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Glad we had people sign those liability. liability waivers. I was just saying, oh, lordy, lordy, lord. What was that going on? That's a kid after my own heart because uh, he's taking a pumpkin and he's stabbing it <laughs> right now. Uh, no whose mercy. kid is that? That's got to be Violet's kid. Is that Violet's kid? No, that's not. Is that your kid, Baxter? Whose kid is that? No. That is Violet's kid. No one's, no one's claiming him out there. I love it. I love it. I, love I, it. Can't, I can't believe it. All right. He's Let's stabbing him, but he made a swan out of it. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> As we continue on the Modern Eater Show again, uh, Beyond with Baxter. Baxter's ghost stories are coming up at 7 p.m., and we're going to dim the lights right here in Studio Kitchen, Colorado, and make this a good one for you because uh, all of the hauntings that happen here in Denver uh, as the sun has seted and it's uh, evening time on this fall spooky evening, we're going to get very, very scary. Scary. I like it. I like where he's going (laughs) at this. Because I was actually, gentlemen, I didn't tell you, the house that I was in, the Bromley house up in Brighton today, they were a big, Bromley was the first sheriff in Adams County. So, you know, a little bit of, of trivia, but that house is haunted. And Anna Bromley haunts the house that I got a tour of today by the great-grandchildren gave me this tour up in Brighton of this farm, old ag, old ag oh farm. Oh, gosh. And uh, it's, it's cool, so I'm excited. I'm excited. They had, a, they had a great thing going on in Brighton, and we have it going on here with local and scary stories tonight. It's going to be a good one. In the meantime and in between time, as we go to Corvus Coffee and Dominic Eatry. Dominic, welcome to the show. Appreciate you. you coming. Thanks for having me. You yeah. brought oh, some let's coffee. Let's pull that up a little bit closer yeah. here, oh, Dominic. Just, oh, there you go. Right seems there. locked there and loaded and ready to go. go. Coffee, I think that's a food group. At yeah, least for me, yeah. it is. For me as well, yeah, <laughs> for a lot of us. <laughs> uh, I've learned a lot about coffee and the similarities, especially in the common culinary world. Coffee is food. Uh, truly, and it's becoming more and more, especially with pairings and tastes and flavors, uh, the varieties and varietals of coffee. There's so much crossover between great wine and grapes and coffee beans. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, coffee's one of those things. There's, um, I mean, you can go as far as coffee education as you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no end to it. Yeah, there's always something to learn. Tell us about Corvus. Yeah, so Corvus, we're a local company. Um, we started in Denver in 2010. And our mission is really just to find the best in coffee and the best in people. So we, uh, we source coffee on a relationship basis. We find farmers um, at all of the origins we go to, which are 
all across Latin America and Africa and East Asia. And yeah, we just find uh, farmers that are doing really remarkable things to create really great results. And because of that, we get to work with some of the best coffees available in the world. That's fantastic. What's your yeah. favorite? So, I mean, what's my your favorite, favorite kind of region? To, let's start at just region. Oh man, it as just, opposed it, to roast. It depends because there's the so much African right coffee's now. hot right now. Honestly, isn't it? yeah, it is. This is the season right now. We're getting a lot of good African coffees in. And um, right now, my favorite is actually this one, uh, the Kuriru Peaberry. So it's a Kenyan coffee. And uh, Kenyan coffees are really, really incredible. They're like one of the most the most sought-after coffees in the world. Um, they have some of the best growing conditions, some of the best farmers that really know what they're doing to make some incredible stuff. So this one is, uh, I mean, this is an exquisitely processed coffee. It's a Peaberry coffee. So it's kind of, um, it's even a little more exclusive because uh, it's a, bean mutation that only happens on a few beans at a time, so it's kind of it, tough to get. Let me throw something real quick at you. Could you give sure. a quick education to people just to help them understand what a lowland coffee versus a highland coffee, Yeah. because that's question. a big yeah. big separator right there. Highland it? coffees are so delicious. Um, uh, uh. But well, but it's acidity, and there's a bunch yeah. of things that go with it. So yeah, there's a, there's a ton of things that ha that um, take place in, in coffee growing, but um, a lot of times the higher altitude coffees will will develop their sugars a lot slower and more delicately, and those coffees are going to be more vibrant, and just way way more delicious. Mm -hmm. All the flavors. Oh are really? Be more a big big flavor. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Whereas a lowland, it, like the that's I mean the Sumatra or. So yeah, I mean there's I mean there's it depends where you go throughout the world. There's different. The altitude is one thing, but it's more of the processing that really mm -hmm. plays the biggest part in oh, the really? coffee flavor. Okay. Yeah, the processing. I mean, there's different levels of processing that um, farmers can do. And the ones that we work with, um, all I mean, they, they do a lot of different um, quality control measures. So, like, I mean, that, that would be something like um, floating cherries after after picking them to, to sort out the densities. So, like, the, the heavy cherries will float to the bottom or will we'll drift to the bottom where the, the less dense ones will float to the top, and you skim those off, and they're just not as good coffee, so you get rid of them. Interesting. So, yeah. Corvus, you're roasting locally. Yeah, so we have uh, we have two cafes now, and we have a roasting facility. And Fantastic. then we're available all over. Choice Market, for one. Mm -hmm. We're in um, the Whole Foods, um, all Rocky Mountain Whole Foods. Uh, we have a bottled cold brew that's pretty popular. Oh, Foods. congrats. Yeah, thank you. That's but your South Broadway, that's your sort of your first location, right? Yeah, exactly. That was our uh, that's our flagship shop. Okay. So that's where we started out. And just until um, uh, a little over a year ago, we opened our, our DTC location. And Greg, did you just taste? What, what did you pour did. for us tonight? That's yeah. one of the best coffees. I, I mean, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I, and, and beyond that, I want to know... Was this a French press? Was this a drip? Was this well, how did you prepare this coffee? Yeah, so I did a pour over of that one. You did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so that would be a, most of the pour overs that I do are a little lighter roasts. Yeah. Uh, the darker roasts I'll do in a French press. Yeah, and I'd, I'd usually agree with that too. Um, this is a pretty light roast. So, so for someone who's uneducated, yeah. what does pour over mean, guys? Yeah. So oh yeah, great question. It's kind of like um, you know what your uh, your coffee brewer does at home. It's kind of like a more manual version of that. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're just kind of uh, you're doing what the machine does, but with your hands in a hot kettle instead of. Interesting. Yeah, okay, so, so it's like a similar to a drip. Yeah, basically a drip, but you kind of you can you have a little more control over it because you're doing it yourself. And you don't grind something fine when you're putting it in a drip. Is that correct? In a pour or? over, no. you'll do grind, and well, in, it's a, grind, in a French press, you'll do a, a larger. Um, 
ground. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, okay. you want you want to grind it um, based on whatever brew method you're doing. So if you're, you know, you want like a medium kind of finish grind. Oh, for, interesting. For like a drip in a, coffee. In a drip. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Where for a French it? press, you want like really coarse. So with all the yeah, selections, okay. and I give everybody the opportunity with your time flies. I mean, <laughs> ten minutes just goes by like a like a flash. But I give everybody an opportunity to give that thirty second elevator speech. Someone gets in on floor one, they're getting off on fifteen, and you're going to talk to them about your company and tell them what it's all about. And with the wide selection of coffee these days, why should they go with Corvus? Yeah, well, Corvus actually we specialize in sourcing these coffees directly from farmers. So about ninety nine percent of the coffee we we bring to the table is uh, coffee that we literally directly source. We go to the origin, we shake those farmers' hand, we make sure that they're getting paid, you know, actually what they deserve. Fair trade not, coffee. I mean, we pay better than what fair trade would be uh, considered. Wow. Yeah. Good yeah. for you guys. And um, yeah, and because of that, we get a we get a really great relationship with farmers, and we um, we actually get to make a, a difference in the world. So you're While importing, great importing green beans into Colorado. Yeah. So we nice. we uh, we go to Origin, we source the coffees, we find these farms, we bring them back here, we roast them at our uh, at our facility, and then, you know, send them out to the world from there. And uh, the rumor uh, about uh, have you ever heard this about a uh, the true dark roast or what is it called a French roast mm-hmm. was really just an accident? I'm sure it was. Yeah, I, I heard some story <laughs> about about it coming over on a boat into New Orleans. Down into the the French brought it over. I heard this story. I don't know if it's true or not. I'd be curious. You, have you never heard this? I've never heard it, but I could see it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, that it, the whole uh, the whole shipment was contaminated with mold, oh. and the way that they killed it was to burn it. Burn the organic matter burn, out of it. Yeah, burn I the organic that. matter that out of it, and that turned into what is what we know as this French roast, which is sort of a joke, but because it's not necessarily the best. From what I've heard from true yeah, coffee yeah, yeah, aficionados, definitely. they say French roast isn't. The, the best way to roast your coffee. Yeah, definitely not. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's hilarious, though. I love that. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. You, Ryan little Freeman. tidbits, yeah. You never know, man. I'll, you I'll make it on You never know uh, what's up your sleeve yeah. there. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> Alex right. Trebek, Thank watch out. Thank you so much. I <laughs> yeah. appreciate you Thanks coming for having on me. the show. For right sure. on. Thank you so much. Yeah, your coffee it. was awesome. Again, 7 o'clock, Ghost Stories. We'll dim the lights here in Studio Kitchen, Colorado. And Flying Bee Bar Ranch, they're up next. And uh, Brad Buchanan on deck right here from Studio Kitchen, Colorado. Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker out on hi- hiatus, and uh, Brian Freeman and Little Rich Schneider. Let's uh, continue up oh, next. Oh, Arabella. Throw Ar- her in. Give Ar- her a shout out. Arabella. <laughs> she's in broadcasting and terrified of the microphone. I don't know. No, you're not? She says she's not. All right. You're in on the next hour with these ghost <laughs> stories then. All right. We'll continue flying B-Bar Ranch. That's next right here on the Modern Eater Show on iHeartRadio. Choose your path through Cyberland. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram and Facebook for all the fun photos and videos. Just search The Modern Eater or check out the website, themoderneater.com. Well, let's tell some stories. Uh, As we've done Halloween shows throughout the years, and I'll ask you, Jared, just blow out the rest of the commercials. We're going to go live, nonstop stories for about 40 minutes right now to make this up to you guys. Uh, apologize for the inconvenience, but we are live from Studio Kitchen, Colorado, and we've got great chefs making delicious Halloween desserts. Uh, so where do we start? Uh, I like all of the local right. uh, hauntings that happen here, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to start out with that Cheeseman Park. Cheeseman Park is one of the spookiest places to me now that I know. Cheeseman Park is a good one. Uh, it really is. Now, basically, what happened is... Cheeseman Park used to be Denver's first cemetery. 
but before it was a cemetery, it was a cemetery. You see, it was actually uh, an Arapaho Native American burial ground. And what happened was, is uh, that land was given to Denver uh, and by uh, the U.S. government. And they decided that uh, they were going to turn it into a cemetery. But the thing is, is one of the stipulations was, they, if they're going to do that, they can't bury bodies any deeper than three feet because it would disturb the bones of the Native Americans. So what do they do? They go ahead and start burying people about three feet down. The problem with that is the soil is a lot different three feet down compared to six feet down. So six feet down, it's kind of always damp. And that's actually a good preservative. Uh, so the bodies don't rot too quickly. But at three feet, it dries out, it gets wet, it dries out, it gets wet. The ground gets really acetic and just starts eating through the casket, eating through the clothes, right down to the bone in no time. So the other problem is Denver, if anybody has a home here, there's a wonderful soil called bentonite. <laughs> and uh, bentonite likes to move around. So pretty soon, we've got bodies moving around out there at Cheeseman Park, especially when it rains. So it makes things really kind of complicated in that sense. So at a certain point, they said, you know what? We're going to move all these bodies. There were some big political problems at the time. Half, half the, the uh, political party said, we can't move these bodies. We're exposing the Denver residents to disease. We need to leave them where they're at. The other half says, this place is becoming dilapidated. We need to get them out. They're moving around, whatever. So they won. They started moving them. Now, the big story is, is that there was an evil, ghoulish undertaker by the, by the name of Undertaker McGovern. Undertaker wasn't his first name. Um, but That was his job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that story gets told over and over about what an evil guy he was. The jury's actually kind of out because he was a, a good, hardworking guy, and everything he did the city of Denver knew about because he checked with them first. Hey, guess what? I'm out of adult-sized caskets because as he's pulling up these bodies, the caskets are falling apart. So they have to say, well, you know, try start using children's caskets. You just have to break the bodies in half. Don't worry, we're still paying you by the casket. So now he's getting double the money on, on every one of these bodies he's pulling out. That's kind of where the legend started about what a horrible guy he was. But then there was a lot of grave robbing as well because they were so easy to get to. People were digging down and stealing jewelry and all kinds of stuff. So the, uh, was it the Chinese graves? They were kind of the worst because they had a belief that if you don't need to bury the, in the entire body, what you do is you scrape off everything else and just bury the bones. So there was this big pile of not bones that they left behind. Pretty gruesome. This is where you know Cheeseman Park to be right now, <laughs> yes. off, of, off of 8th Avenue. I want you yeah. to think about this when you take a picnic. Um, you know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so the problem is the press kind of got a hold of it. The press got a hold of all these, this big pile of, of everything but bones, uh, all the grave robbing that was going on, and Undertaker McGovern breaking bodies and have to put them in children's caskets. And uh, they printed a big story that the headline was The Work of Ghouls. And uh, the government said, that's it, we're done. Seal it up. The bodies that have moved, great. No other bodies are moving. We're just sealing it up. And we're going to turn it into a park. So, that's, and to this day, 
uh, Baxter. Yep. To this day, what can people find when they're, say, out uh, perusing around with their family? Well, there's two to 5,000 bodies still there, and they are finding bodies all the time. Uh, there was one family that was near Cheeseman Park, and the dog came running in one day <laughs> with a pelvis in its mouth. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so that kind of freaked him out. Another guy found a finger one day and called the police, and the police are like, where are you at, Cheeseman Park? Just put it down. We'll be there in a while, because they know what's out there. So with that little tidbit, if you need to get rid of a body, that's the place to go. <laughs> the place. Oh, man, that's it. Yeah, I get the chills with that. As uh, Throughout the years, and again, Baxter here with Beyond with Baxter and uh, the stories that you've accumulated because of your research as well. Yes. Um, you've done a lot, and, and I guess not to ghost hunting is that what you would call it um paranormal paranormal activity? research uh okay. we, we've kind of had changed it to paranormal claims investigators yeah now one of the things that was very important to you throughout the years that i've known you is is not to is to is to take a situation and figure out all the reasons why it's not paranormal instead of okay this is why it is that you kind of want to go backwards and dispel those types of things uh, am I on the right track with that? Um, no. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can see how you would think that. The, what we try to do is just go in and try to find the truth. Uh, the, the old definition for skepticism used to be uh, don't take anything at face value. Over time, it became cynicism. So we tried to practice the old style of skepticism where we walked in and said, maybe it's haunted, maybe it's not. Let's look at all the facts mm -hmm. and figure it out. So if it turned out to be haunted, great. Uh, if it didn't, that's how they all turned out. So the investigations that I've seen you do, these were overnight investigations at yes. some of the uh, Croke Patterson Mansion is where we've been. Uh, yep. Name a couple more of the, the, the mansions that we've been down in just the downtown area. So. Uh, Peabody Whitehead yeah. uh, we were at, uh, like I said, Croke Patterson. Um, we were at uh, Grant Humphrey. Did we go to Grant Humphrey? We did indeed. Um, uh, we've been to Byers Evans. Uh, the Yak and Yeti. Yak and Yeti. Uh, we've uh, I've actually been to both uh, the Arvada one and the Denver location, which I've got some interesting stories about that as well. Um, and we've been up to, I believe, did we go to the Brook Forest Inn? That was one of the spots that you really liked. That yes. You found some good activity. Talk about the Brook Forest Inn for a minute. Well, it, it's kind of interesting. I have this book here with me tonight called Would You Believe It? And it's mysterious tales from people you'd least expect. And uh, it's by Karen Stolls now. Now, the, the fun thing, I have a story in here, and it is about the Brook Forest Inn. And it's one of the most interesting places. Because what happened is, uh, back in the early 2000s to probably 2011, uh, the owners, there, there would be a, a large portion of the year when no one was there. So the owners would just let us come up and do whatever we wanted. And it was a great opportunity to kind of test out some technique, you know, and we really learned a lot from being there. But I can tell you that one night in particular, we were upstairs and, uh, well, we, we drove in and as soon as we got there, this huge blizzard hit. It was like the shining, this blizzard just started pummeling the place. And as we walked in, the caretaker was like, oh, thank God you guys are here. Now I can leave because otherwise he has to stay there if no one else is there. So when we're there, he gets to leave. He goes to the bar 
and uh, we're loading in our equipment and we get upstairs and the blizzard just keeps hammering the place and it's just really cold and silent. So we're upstairs and it's uh, probably about two or three in the morning and all of a sudden we hear the front doors downstairs swing open and we're hearing people coming in, laughing, talking and stomping the snow off their feet. We're like, oh great, he brought the bar home with him. So Brian and I are like, well, we have to have silence so we need to go down and kick these people out. And we started to trudge downstairs, and we're hearing the tinking of glasses as they're pouring stuff from the bar. And as soon as we rounded the corner of the stairs and looked down, we could see the sound stopped, and the place was empty. Ooh, I love that. Gives me chills. We walked down, and we searched (laughs) everywhere, and there was nothing anywhere. Uh, The the doors were still locked. There was no snow on the floor. And, you know, we're still kind of waiting for them to jump out and go, ah, punked. But... Nothing happened. So we went back upstairs, and one of our investigators upstairs went, wow, you guys must really scare the crap out of them. They just went silent. And we were like, well, when did they go silent? As soon as you guys were coming back up the stairs. And we were like, not when we went down the stairs? So the interesting thing is, is they were still here in this party when we were down there, when it was nothing How do you explain that? Well, you know, we talk about optical illusions all the time. There's certainly auditory illusions really? as well. Really? And especially when you have such, you know, when it's a blizzard up there and you just kind of have that, that, that stark silence there. It, it is kind of a white noise where other things can really fill the air. So it could have been a snowplow going down or something. We, we, we can't explain it. We have no explanation. We don't know. And that's great because that leaves some wonder, you know. To, to not know what happened. So Baxter, Brian Freeman here, you believe then in paranormal activity? No. No? <laughs> I, I don't believe or disbelieve. Um, I, I always have to stay on the fence, otherwise my research becomes biased. Yeah, okay. So if I can just kind of stay on the fence and say, this this could fall either way, let's get the facts and find out. Let me, let me throw this at you because you've made this distinction. I, the couple of things that I said I know about you, you said, no, they're, they're not right, so I'll probably be off the mark on this. But make that distinction between um, some of the, the paranormal activity that is just kind of everyday stuff versus evil. What's the difference between that and evil, those types of evil things? Well, uh, in, well, in everyday life, it's, you know, people are, are really the, the evil, but uh, um, and usually not spirits. And that's kind of been an interesting thing, is I've never come face-to-face with a spiritual evil uh, that, that I can ever identify. Um, the strange things that I've seen happen have been completely harmless. Uh, scary, yes, mm-hmm. but no one's ever been hurt. Now, I hear stories about people, you know, getting pushed downstairs and different things like that, but I have worked with some of those people, and I watched them trip and fall down the stairs. And then they're too embarrassed, so they say, oh, I was pushed. Um, so I've never seen, you know, I, I've, heard, I've also seen people claim they were scratched, but it also looked to me like they did it to themselves. Um, so that's kind of a mysterious thing. I mean, if, if you... If well, you, wait, could, could, though, the spirit take over the person and them not know that they did it to themselves? Have you ever seen a possession? Uh, I've actually done several exorcisms. Um, and uh, the, the interesting thing is that that's certainly a possibility. I mean, one of the, the ideas about demon possession is the fact that the demon likes to always keep a question mark 
on things. So it likes to make it look like the person is faking it. And that way it gives it more time to embed. And uh, that, that's one of the theories anyway. I mean, I, I, I can't say that I've ever you know, experienced that or seen it for myself, but it, it kind of makes sense. You know, that would be a great way to hide in plain sight is just make the person look like they're faking it. What about some of those big names like Stanley Hotel? Have you, I mean, because that's one that we have, we've all, I mean, mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson glamorized that. I, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And absolutely. isn't it true that that, that true, uh, the true Stanley Hotel is up the road? Well, in a sense, uh, you're, you're onto something there. The filming was done at that particular location, but... Actually, the, the, fil- the filming of the... Uh, the, uh, the, the made-for-TV uh, miniseries was done at the Stanley Hotel. Um, but the Stanley, the, the Shining is about the Stanley Hotel. But um, I'm, I'm going to get to what you're talking about in just a minute because that's a really good point I want to uh, highlight. Um, but the Stanley Hotel, that's an interesting one because it is one of the, I'll say I'm one of the only persons uh, that has been permanently banned from the Stanley Hotel. And it's because I was exposing a lot of their... Uh, lies. Dispelling some things. I mean, throw one at us. Well, um, I can tell you that uh, uh, room 401 was known as Jason's room Mm -hmm. because that's where, uh, you know, Jason from uh, Ghost Hunters stayed. And the closet door opened and a glass shattered that was next to him. Um, Well, we talked to him about that that night and found out that what really happened was he had gotten bed. Now, that room has uh, an elevator that is right on the other side of the wall where that closet door is, and it's old. Every time that elevator goes up and down, often it will rattle that door, closet door open. And then when it goes down and down, a lot of times the door will close again. I've stayed in the room, I've witnessed it. Uh, it's not really that scary. The the, the hill that the, the Stanley's built on is also subject to a lot of vibration. So we took a seismometer in there, and that whole room is just vibrating. If you watch the, the armoire up against the wall, it will work itself out from the wall and practically walk out from the, the floor over hours, you know. But uh, it's, a, it's an interesting room in that sense. But what happened with that glass is it was one of those glasses uh, that has kind of a score uh, around the center, kind of decorative score. And he was thirsty, and he called down to the kitchen, and they sent him up uh, a pitcher of ice-cold water and a glass that was fresh out of the really hot dishwasher. And he poured that ice water in it, and after a few moments, boom, it just shattered. And he, and he told us about that, but uh, you know, the problem is, is they, they had to show that as being proof of the yeah. paranormal. On the That's show. what I like about you, Baxter, is, is truly, you look at the, the facts and the evidence of places. Speaking of well, facts and evidence, some of the places that you've been to that said this is undeniable. Mm-hmm. Give us an example. Uh, are you place, places that I felt were more undeniable, yep. or are they? Well, um, for a long time, the Arvada Yak and Yeti had us pretty convinced. And what had happened there is years and years ago, when it was first built, it was an old farmhouse. And there was a, a woman that lived there by the name of Cora. And uh, she liked to, you know, uh, can peaches, and she was really well-known in the community and uh, loved. One day... She, uh, very, very old at this point, she uh, fell down the stairs and broke her neck. Um, she didn't die there. But she died in the hospital. And uh, I think I'm going to take these. Um, <laughs> Your boy wants some candles. <laughs> can, can you pick those up off the floor there? <laughs> All right. 
That's fantastic. Um, anyway, uh, so they, they often feel that the place is haunted by Cora. And it, it turned into an Irish brew pub, and a lot of ghost hunters were in there finding all kinds of horrible, you know, uh, portals to hell and things like that. Uh, now, we did discover that the portal to hell was actually a uh, security wiring harness that was behind the wall that was creating an EMF spike. Um, so when they weren't looking late at night, we actually tore the wall down and found it, and then we had to try to patch it back up so when the owners got there the next day, they wouldn't know anything. But, uh, yeah, we did find out that there, there is no portal, portal to hell there. Um, but upstairs, we had a chair that looked like it defied gravity, and we caught it on video. So I'm in, up in this room, and it's, it's just creepy. You know, I'm sitting there in silence in this room, and I keep hearing these noises in the room that sound like somebody walking around or... Uh, Somebody like flicking the glass on the, the this lighting. This is the Arvada Yakin yeah. Yeti. Yes, okay. yes. So I'm sitting up there and it's just really creeping me out. And then pretty soon I hear this woman's voice. And it's a really familiar voice, but she just keeps talking to me. I can't understand what she's saying. And finally I, I stomp on the floor and, and Brian comes upstairs and he's like, What's going on? I'm like, Sit down for a minute. I'm hearing a woman's voice. And he sat down with me. And he heard it too. And you're alone. We're, yeah, it's just me and Brian sitting up there, and this woman's voice is talking to us. And it was interesting because right at the same time, now this was back in 2008, so technology was a little different then. Um, you know, 10 years ago, it's amazing how things moved. But uh, we're sitting there, and we both recognized the voice at the same time and what she was saying. And she was saying, if you'd like to make a call, please hang up and dial your number again. <laughs> so I realized I asked dialed myself. Because uh, I had my phone in my back pocket. So we were like, oh, damn, you know, that, that was a bummer that that was actually nothing. So Brian got up and walked out of the room thinking I'm an idiot. Um, although he was freaked out too. I want to mark that. Uh, and then I kind of straightened things up in the room and I walked out. And as I walked out, the camera caught this chair, the front two legs lifted up off the ground. It levitated? And moved over, yeah. And it just freaked us out for about two years. We tried everything to recreate it. And, uh, uh, you know, finally we did manage to, and it was, it was you know, kind of a bummer because it was a camera angle and stuff like that, but it really kept us creeped out for a long time, and we were just stubborn and finally figured it out. What do you do with photographs when people show you either uh, orbs or colorings around you or mm -hmm. an aura around you? Uh, is that a lot of that just photography gone awry, or can you actually, through photographs, can you actually capture some of these things? We've never been able to capture anything, but we have been able to reproduce everybody else's ghost photos. So when they when they come to us and show us a picture, we can recreate it and say, this is what happened when you took the photo. And it's great these days because you know pictures have metadata. So they'll tell us exactly when the flash fired, what the weather was like, and, you know, GPS information. So it's great. We know what was going on, mm -hmm. and we can pretty much recreate it and show them that eh, it's actually not paranormal. It's just that uh, photography is a lot different these days. Yeah. Usually there's an explanation yes. for a lot of these things. Uh, that's what I like about you and your work is you're looking for that explanation. Uh, but beyond that, what are some of the instances that you just can't explain? Well, we had a, an interesting one at Children's Hospital. I love this one. 
Wait until you hear this story, Brian. Children's Hospital. Are you on the air with us right now? Yes, I I totally am. I'm trying to highlight some of these great people, but this story I'm so tied into because there is, I think there, I mean, one of the questions before we, let me real quick, before you hit Children's Hospital, Uh how many in Colorado would you say are haunted, paranormal? How many sites in Colorado? Well, would you give that? I mean, 100? 100 places around? 200? Let me just say Denver. Like every other city in America is the most haunted city in America. Um, Think about it this way. If hauntings exist, and they exist because somebody died somewhere, there really isn't anywhere on this planet that somebody hasn't died. Uh, It's anywhere on land, anyway. There's death everywhere. Um, So this planet's haunted, if that's the case. Is that your belief? Uh, I won't say it's my belief. After you die, that you some entities still stick around. The jury's still out with me. Because remember, he's got to be unbiased. I got to be unbiased as I can. But I certainly look at both sides, and uh, I I don't see a huge amount of proof really for either explanation. So that makes me comfortable being in the middle. Listen to this children's hospitals. Okay, here we go. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. So. Uh, Buckle up, right? (laughs) Yeah, cozy up to the fire right now. This is Halloween. So so the old children's hospital over on 19th was uh, torn down uh, back in 2008. And uh, before they tore it down, they called us in because the place was just freaking out everybody. Uh, The the construction workers that were demolishing it, the the off-duty Denver police officers that were doing the security, everybody was freaked out. And plus, the nurses, the doctors, the patients, everybody had stories about the place. Now, the main story was about a little boy by the name of Shane back in the 1950s. Now, this little boy uh, uh, died of cancer when he was somewhere between uh, five and seven years old. Now, we don't know for sure because of HEPA laws. We can't actually go look up this minor's information. So um, all we can go by is what we've been told by nurses and things like that that have worked there. But the interesting thing is, as you guys know what sleep paralysis is, it's where it's where your body, but you, your mind is still, and you can see and think and 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 maybe talk, but you can't. Your lips can't move, and you can't verbalize. Am I on the? Yep, yep. You, your 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 brain shoots some chemicals down into into your body to paralyze you, so you don't act out your dreams. Because a lot of our dreams can be very active. So uh, what happens is every once in a while you wake up and your brain doesn't shut off that paralysis. So you're lying there, and your dreams can bleed over into reality uh, of what you're perceiving as reality. So they're terrifying, but they're not dangerous unless you have a heart attack, so don't do that. Um, Now, in this particular case, there was a lot of sleep paralysis happening to the kids that stayed in that room over the decades following uh, Shane's staying in there. And it's interesting because they all had the same experience. Now, when you have sleep paralysis, what you experience depends on your dream, but it also depends on your cultural beliefs, your, your religious beliefs, all that kind of stuff. So it used to be a demon sitting on your, your chest, stealing your breath. And then over the years, it became aliens abducting you and, and things like that. So it really kind of just depends. Now it's back to the scary ghost, the old hag again, because of a lot of there's a lot of movies out about it. So... All these kids started having sleep paralysis, but they were having the same experience. They were awakened in the middle of the night by having this little blonde-eyed, blue-haired child on their chest trying to strangle them. And it was the same with every kid. Now, 
the interesting thing is the nurses weren't telling the kids what had happened before, so there was no way for them to know that, that you know, this, hey, sleep well tonight, you know, because this is going to happen to you. The nurses didn't do that to the kids. So how they were having the same sleep paralysis experience as the ones before them, we just couldn't explain. So we did find out uh, we were doing a, a ghost tour down at Children's Hospital, and we actually had some relatives of Shane on the bus. No and, way. And they confirmed his existence. They confirmed his age, what he looked like, and uh, that he did die in that room. And uh, it was the a room story of shame. Yep. Should, should people be afraid to have nightmares? Um, do, you shouldn't. Listen, coming in the next couple weeks, folks, don't dream. Um, <laughs> do whatever you can do uh, to hold that back because you don't want any little demon sitting on your chest truly, holding your breath. Truly yeah. the Freddy Krueger. Well, it's a good state to be in, and I mean Colorado. Uh, here in Denver especially, because um, uh, a, a little bit of uh, marijuana will suppress dreams. So, Oh. So, hey, we're in a place where we can stop the evil. So Freddy Krueger yeah. won't be coming after you. You can I, stop the shame. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, did you want me to tell what we actually saw there at Children's Hospital? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so it was February 20th, 2008, and it was freezing cold. And in this concrete building, there was no electricity, no heat, and it was just an ice walker. So um, every hour, we forced ourselves to get up and walk around because our joints were hurting so bad from sitting uh, in, that deep, in that deep freeze. It was about 20 below. So every hour, we'd get up and we'd walk around, and the, the hallways were just pitch black. And they had, we had these really high-power flashlight spotlights that they gave us to carry around. So we're walking down. Now, the, the plastic that was over the, um, the fluorescent lights was all torn down and broke, broke up on the floor. So everywhere you walked, it was very crunchy. You'd hear that crunch, crunch, crunch with every step. So there's four of us, and we're sounding like a herd of elephants. But after a few moments, we just naturally got into step to where it was like crunch, crunch, crunch as we're walking down the hallway. And all of a sudden, we heard something in between two of those crunches, and we stopped. And up ahead, we're shining our flashlights, and we couldn't see anything. But up ahead, we heard two little feet running around the corner. So we charge, you know, we're, we're idiots. We run toward the danger, and we charged down the hall to get to that corner, peered around the corner, and again, the two little feet run around the next corner. So we run down to the next corner and we look around the corner and again these two little feet it's like it's leading us somewhere we don't know where now the problem is when we first got there the off-duty denver police officers were terrified and they were like oh thank god you guys are here and we're like you have the guns you know <laughs> what are we going to do but uh one of them said I i'm telling you if i have to go up to that fifth floor and i see something move lead is flying and all of a sudden, we stopped and we thought about what that officer said. And we thought, what if we're chasing a freaked out police officer? And he turns around and fires at us. Because if we yell in these echoey halls, it's going to sound like a beast coming at him. So we all wow. very gingerly snuck back to our little headquarters and sat there. And as soon as we were done, we went down and we asked them, hey, was anybody up there? They're like, we don't know. We changed shifts. Like, okay, we're going to be back in two weeks to do a follow-up. We'll, we'll talk to the, the crew then and see if anybody was up there because that was really creepy. 
um, Homeland Security had a different idea, though. They took the building down a week later as a, a terrorist uh, training exercise. So we never got to go back. We never got to find out what it was we were chasing down that hall or what it was that was leading us Great. somewhere. Great. Can I do a little reset here? Sure. Because of the fact we're, you know, live at the Modern Eater here, Studio Kitchen, Colorado here, Baxter, 6'4", Distinguished gentleman, he's wearing an ascot, a white shirt, and a blue coat, telling us ghost stories in just this place, folks. If you could be here it's, right it now, it's really cool. I mean, tell me more, Greg. I mean, well, do this better. Do here this is some of the things. Justice. Um, you do seances. Yeah. As well. Well, see the Denver Yak and Yeti. Uh, we we got a phone call uh, from the owner saying that. Everybody's having some weird experiences down here. So we interviewed the old manager, because it used to be the Crystal Rose Wedding Event Center. Now, I know a chill just ran down your spine when you think about the horrible things that took place there. But we were really thinking, what? why would there be a ghost here? A wedding event center that's now turning into an Indian restaurant? It really didn't sound right to us. So we did a bunch of research. We couldn't really find anything. We interviewed the old manager, and he was telling us some crazy stories about... It seemed like there were several things going on there, but the most notable one was this, this being upstairs by the name of Neil, and he would move things around. Neil? And, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, so we started doing a little more research, and we, we decided it might be interesting to do some seances up there, you know, because we've always been the hardline science, you know, type of group. We thought, let's let's play with this idea a little bit. We did three years worth of seances there, and the interesting thing is, is the manager of the Yak and Yeti and several of the, the staff, Brian, um, our manager at the time, Kathy, and myself, all experienced Neil, and we it was the same way. Uh, first, Albert, uh, who you know and love. Um, Albert uh, was closing down one night. He's up. He's upstairs, and there's one other individual downstairs. And it's pretty dark. There's just a light sort of in the main room upstairs, but there's a long hallway. To that bathroom? To the bathroom. And he's back there in the bathroom, has to go. And uh, as he's sitting down back there, he hears the door open, and these some someone wearing boots walk in and just walking around the bathroom. So he's calling out the guy's name and gets no answer. So he's trying to contort himself to look under the stall to see if he can see the feet, sees nothing. So he gets up and opens the door, and it is empty in there. No one's there, but he didn't hear the door open for someone to walk out. So it felt like whatever it was was still in there with him and uh, really, really unnerved him. So we all remember when we were kids, when we had to shut off our light and then figure out how we were going to get to our bed without something reaching out from underneath the bed and grabbing us. So you had to jump as far as you could. That's what Albert did down that hallway uh, to get back into the light again. Now, the same thing happened to our manager. And then one night, Brian had got there early. We had a big curtain up to, uh, to kind of obscure the stage where we, we do the seances. And he's kind of sitting out in the main room, and he hears somebody walking around up on the stage. And he figured out, he figured that I figured out a way to sneak up there without him knowing, and he thought it was me. So he's listening to this walking around for a while, and suddenly he jumps up and throws the curtain back, and there's nothing there. And it was like, hmm, I know I heard somebody walking around up here. So flip that, 
it's after a show one night, and he goes downstairs, and I'm still upstairs, and I'm sitting in the main room, and suddenly I hear somebody behind the bar, and they're moving things around and tink, tink, tink with the glasses and stuff. So I get up and I go look, because I thought it was Brian, and I sneak up on me. Nobody's there. As soon as I get back there, the footsteps are up on the stage walking around. And it's like, what the heck is going on in this place? So during our seances, we've had people's ankles grabbed. We've had people had their hair brushed by a hand. Uh, one night, a, a girl had this something whisper in her ear. She was having like a, a real reaction to the seance, and she started crying. And this voice came up to her ear and said, why are you crying? And she was wondering, how did we pull that off? How did we pull off that trick? We had nothing to do with it. I, I don't know what to tell her, but so we've had a lot of little interesting experiences go on in that place. Give the, give your website so people can look at more of your work. You can go to beyondwithbaxter.com, and I am still doing seances there. If anybody's interested, we just opened one up for Halloween itself. Uh, so you can go to on Halloween. Halloween. That's and so that's while. where you're going to be because in a way I wanted us to do something here. For the whole night of Halloween. Well, I mean, this just—I could talk to Baxter. Greg, have yeah. you ever had a? Have you ever had a paranormal? Well, I've experience? been at some of these uh, haunted houses all night, watching some of these um, investigations, and and there are certain things you put yourself in the mood to exposing yourself, and you put yourself in the right situation. There are some things we only have two minutes left. Do you know the story of the dogs that committed suicide? The Croke Patterson Mansion. Yeah. Can you take a minute and, and do I, that I story? Will, I will do my best to do that quickly. Now, they were doing some renovation on the Croke Patterson Mansion to make it into offices, legal legal offices. And uh, the, the workers would go in and work, and then the next day they'd come back, and all their work had been undone. I've been in this room. Go ahead. Yes, it's a creepy little room. Uh, so it was getting very frustrating. They put up a big fence to keep the homeless out because they thought that's what was going on. And uh, still, their work, they would, do, would come, they'd come back to be undone. So they hired some guard dogs. Now, some people say that they're German Shepherds. Some Dobermans. people say they're Dobermans. Yeah. Uh, so we really don't know what they were. But, um, I mean, from people that were actually there, we're getting conflicting reports. But the biggest, uh, most well-known story is the first night that the, they were there, there's this little tiny room way up in the, in the high turret. And there's a, a kind of curved window. Now, up in that room, as you know, Greg, there's no room to get a good run to go out of a window. It looked like one of these dogs was thrown out of the window because we just don't know how it could have got enough of a run to get through it. So, boom, first morning, dead dog down on the pavement. So they clean it up, replace the window. Second night, boom, dead dog down, down on the pavement. Clean it up, fix up the window. Third night, the, dog, the last dog ends up down in the basement in the corner where um, I believe, uh, who was it that night that was there? Was it uh, one of the, one of the, the sportscasters? Um, I can't think of his name. Anyway, they, he saw a guy sitting on the couch down there in the basement. That's where the dog was in the corner whimpering and the dog